Luke chapter number 23. We're going to read two verses and get right into it. And I want to make sure that we finish on time. And so uh, let's get right into the message this evening. Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 33. The Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, and this is the main portion of the message tonight, this phrase right here, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Uh, we're continuing to look at this short little series, uh, Messages from the Cross. Uh, we've seen uh, different aspects of the cross and different things that God has tried to communicate to us uh, by way of the cross. Uh, we saw two weeks ago where the cross says, I love you. Uh, and God uh, unequivocally, unequivocally uh, very succinctly, very uh, explicitly says to each and every one that ever has lived and ever will live and is living currently, I love you. Uh, and, and last week, uh, we looked at the next topic. Uh, we looked at the fact that the cross uh, says to us, it is finished. Uh, we no longer have to strive for, as a matter of fact, I like this statement that uh, I've heard preachers use. I think it's a great statement. Uh, we live from victory. We don't live or strive for victory. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has already conquered death, hell, and the grave, uh, we don't strive to become victorious. Uh, we live our life from a position of victory. And tonight... Uh, we're looking at a different aspect of a message from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the message this evening is, You Are Forgiven. You Are Forgiven. What a great statement to hear, uh, and what a tremendous need that each and every person has in their life to be forgiven. One last word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Father, we pray that you would bless uh, the teaching, the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to listen. Uh, give us minds to uh, to submit, and Lord, may you be honored in our lives as a result of what we experience tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. On Monday, December 8, 1997, tragedy struck uh, Heath High School in Paducah, Kentucky. According to Roy Maynard in World Magazine, a small group of students who conducted a daily prayer meeting uh, in a hallway near the administrative offices of the school they had just finished their morning prayers that day on Monday, December 8, 1997, and they were about to head off to their various classes. And shortly after the final amen of that prayer meeting, a freshman whose name was Michael Carneal, uh, he had uh, uh, the, the prayer leader, the prayer group leader had just befriended this young man uh, a year earlier and uh, before he started high school. And this young man, this freshman, Michael Carneal, uh, he opened fire on those students that were praying. He used a 22 caliber automatic weapon. Uh, the group's leader, Ben Strong, yelled to him. He said, Mike, what are you doing? He walked over toward him. And after Michael had fired 10 rounds... Finally, he dropped his gun. Ben walked up to him and put his arms around Michael, urging him to calm down. Uh, through that entire event, three students were killed. Five were seriously wounded. One of them was paralyzed as a result of this attack and this shooting. And I know that today in our society, unfortunately, these types of events have become commonplace. 
But there was a time in our society when it was not common to see these types of events take place uh, in our school systems. Needless to say, uh, this happened, and uh, the morning prayer meetings usually only attract about 25 to 30 children, 25 to 30 kids. Uh, the Tuesday after the shooting on Tuesday, December 9th, uh, a number of, uh, of, uh, of children gathered, uh, a great number of children gathered. Uh, more than 250 kids, almost half of the school, attended the prayer meeting the next day. Uh, there were several youth ministers that say that many students, as a result of that event, accepted Christ as their Savior. Fifteen-year-old Melissa Jenkins, she was the one who was shot and paralyzed. Fifteen-year-old Melissa Jenkins uh, was one of the first victims to send a message to Michael Carneal, the shooter. She said this message, she said, quote, Tell Michael that I forgive him. Tell Michael that I forgive him. Now, I don't know about you, but I read a story like this, and I think to myself, would I be able to say, tell Michael that I forgive him? I'm not 100% sure that I could say that, at least not initially, at least not right away. How could Melissa Jenkins say, I forgive you? How could she forgive Michael Carniel after what he had done to not just her, but to all of those others that suffered uh, from his act uh, the, the only way that this young lady could do what she did was by her knowing, remembering, and considering God's love and God's forgiveness towards her. That's the only way. You see, a, a forgiveness of that caliber, of that uh, magnitude, uh, is not natural. It's supernatural. You see, she could, ex- she could uh, extend forgiveness because she had experienced forgiveness. You see, Christ had forgiven her of her sins. Christ had given her eternal life. The Lord Jesus had bought and paid for her salvation and her home in heaven and eternity with God. And so in turn, she could forgive this young man, Michael Carniel. God's love is the source of his forgiveness toward us. You see, love is the foundation for forgiveness. Forgiveness originates in the heart uh, that loves the object that offends it. And again, uh, pastor is teaching through uh, the topic of love works, and that's our theme for the year. And, and we, can't, we can't get away from the, the topic and the theme of love. Anywhere, anywhere you look in this book, you find love all throughout its pages. Uh, you find love, love woven through each page, woven through each story, woven in the life of every individual that's spoken of in Scripture. You see, a person that can't forgive is a person that's going to have a really, really tough time loving other people. They're going to have a hard time. You see, because you and I know, if we're honest, We'll say that people offend us every day. We have people that do things to us that we don't like. And at some point in time, we have to learn how to forgive like the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. They know not what they do. And, you know, I I like the fact that uh, I heard a coach say this one time uh, referring to younger players on a team uh, who were being, uh, you know, kind of chastised by older players on the team, more mature players on the team. Uh, The coach said this. He says, they don't know what they don't know. 
And sometimes we just need to step back and, and look at a person who's acting maybe uh, in a way that's offensive towards us and in a way that uh, kind of gets under our skin and uh, in a way that m- maybe makes us angry uh, or at least stirs us up. Amen, Pastor? Stirs us up. Uh, we we got to be careful. we got to think. Sometimes these people, they just don't know what they don't know. And so we have to make sure that we're careful to remember that. Now, um, a little boy was asked what he thought that forgiveness was, and, uh, and he answered this. I, I like this. He said, forgiveness is the scent that flowers give when they're trampled on. When they're trampled on. What kind of scent do we give off when we're trampled on? What kind of, uh, what kind of response uh, do, does our offender receive uh, when they offend us? You see, the cross of Calvary was the most unselfish act of forgiveness and of love in the history of the world. I see three aspects here in this short passage that we see in Luke chapter number 23. Three aspects of the way the cross says you are forgiven. Point number one, we see the principle of forgiveness. The principle of forgiveness. Uh, letter A under point number one, the principle, it is, uh, it is free. Uh, forgiveness is Free. You see, forgiveness is not something that we can earn. Forgiveness is not something that you and I can merit. Forgiveness is not something that you and I even deserve. Forgiveness is something that God grants to you and to me because of His mercy and because of, of His grace. I love the fact that uh, mercy uh, is God not punishing us as much as we deserve to be punished. Amen to that. I love the fact that grace is God blessing us far greater than we deserve to be blessed. And once again, I say amen to that. But it's the grace and mercy of God and his love for us that that he shows, he demonstrates, and he extends his forgiveness to us. Uh, Look at uh, Luke chapter 23. Look at verse 34 one more time. It says there, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, They don't know what they're doing. Uh, They don't know what they don't know. Uh, Listen, even though the Lord Jesus Christ extended forgiveness to these people, these ones that were crucifying him, these ones that were mocking him, these ones that were uh, basically attacking him, jeering him, uh, he extended forgiveness to them. Listen, they did not change their behavior. Look at it. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast Lots. They kept on mocking him. They kept on jeering him. They kept on misbehaving. Listen, their behavior did not change, even though the Lord Jesus Christ extended forgiveness to them. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ forgives you and he forgives me in spite of us. He doesn't forgive us because of us. He doesn't forgive us because we turn over a new leaf or uh, we make a new uh, New Year's resolution or we decide to start living right or we decide to start acting right. Listen, that's not why the Lord Jesus Christ forgives us. He forgives us freely. Uh, He forgives us. He justifies us by his grace and by his mercy. Uh, I have an example here of someone trying to earn, someone trying to buy, someone trying to deserve forgiveness. Jay Leno, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, know who Jay Leno is, uh, used to be the, the host of The Tonight Show. And Jay Leno was forgiven by his high school for speeding in the school parking lot years ago. He committed his misdeed when he was a student at Andover High School, and he was suspended for three days for what he called burning rubber, burning rubber in the parking lot of the school. 
uh, the former Tonight Show host made amends. Listen now. He made amends by donating $250,000 worth of Microsoft computer software in exchange, stay with me now, in exchange for having that black mark expunged from his school record. Uh, he paid for that forgiveness. He paid for being exonerated. He paid so he could be, uh, so his record could be wiped clean. Listen, when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to eternity, we can't pay for it. We can't earn it. You see, it takes a perfect life. It takes a sinless life. It takes someone living without any sin in order for God's wrath to be uh, 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 subsided, for God's wrath uh, to be uh, just, uh, listen, we can't do it. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could, and thank God that he did. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't buy forgiveness. We can't barter for forgiveness. We can't say, well, Lord, you know, uh, I promise this year that, you know, I'll, I'll use less foul language. I promise this year that I'll read more. I promise this year that I'll pray more. I promise this year that I'll go to church more. And, and listen, all of those resolutions are fine and good, and we should, but that doesn't earn God's forgiveness. We can't barter with God. See, God's forgiveness is a free gift. It is given to us freely by His grace and by His mercy, regardless of our behavior. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says, being justified, and I love this, being justified freely. It's a gift, being justified freely by His grace through the, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.32, most of us are familiar with this passage. Uh, he that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Freely. Uh, it's a gift of God. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, letter B under point number one. Uh, not only is, is it free, it is from God. It is from God. And stay with me. I know some of you are thinking, yes, it's free to us, but it wasn't free to... Yes, absolutely. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, it is free. It is free. And let it be, it is from God. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Uh, the Bible says, uh, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth. Notice what that phrase is saying. God set this forth. God set this plan in motion. God uh, decided, okay, they can't do this on their own. Uh, they're, they're in a heap load of trouble. Uh, they're up the creek without a paddle. They need my help. God set him forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. You know what verse 25 is teaching us in Romans chapter 3? God initiated the salvation process. He did. He says, uh, he looked down and he said, man, these folks, uh, they're, they're making a mess of things. It's only going to get worse. Uh, they need my help. They need my forgiveness. You see, because only God can forgive sins. Uh, no man can forgive sins. And why, I don't understand why people still go to a Catholic church. They'll go to a Catholic priest. They'll get inside a confessional and they'll confess their sins to a man. And a man will say, do this and do that. And then you'll be forgiven. I like what the preachers of yesteryear used to say. To that I say poppycock. To that I say balderdash. To that I say nonsense. It's unbiblical. It's unscriptural. No man can forgive you or I of our sins. Only God can forgive 
sins. Luke 5, 21, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, You stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God as if he were you. Oh, I'm telling you what. That, that is encouraging. I can stand before God just as if I'm perfect and sinless because the Lord Jesus Christ, who was and is perfect and sinless, stood before God as if he was sinful like me. I like how pastor words it uh, frequently. He says he became our sin. Uh, 2 Corinthians tells us, uh, for he, uh, God, made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became our sin. We took on his righteousness. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 John 2.1, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father... It's not Pastor Lejeune. It's not Pastor Morales. It's not the priest of the Catholic Church. It's not mom. It's not dad. It's not grandpa. It's not grandma. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the only one. It's only through Him. Listen, it's only through Christ that we can experience total and complete pardon from the penalty of sin. It's not in penance. It's not in sacraments. It's not in good deeds. It's not in some uh, special ritual that we perform in a quote-unquote church building. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can find peace with God. We see the principle of forgiveness. Let's look at point number two. The principle is it's free. It's from God. He initiated. We couldn't do it on our own. He did it for us. Uh, let's look at number two. We see the price. The price of forgiveness. We realize that forgiveness is free to us, but obviously it wasn't free to God. The Lord Jesus Christ paid a great price. The Lord Jesus Christ spared no expense. He, uh, as most preachers like to say, uh, as, as, as a kind of an illustration, he bankrupted heaven. I mean, he took the greatest of heaven for the worst of earth. I mean, he took the riches of, and splendors of, of eternity uh, for the poverty of earth. He, he paid a great price. Just like we refer to our military, we refer to our soldiers and, and the military of the United States of America, and I'm sure most countries will say something like, freedom is not free. It's not free. Yes, it's free to us. For those of us who never were in the military, those of us who were never in the field of combat, those of us who never uh, have lost a loved one uh, on the field of combat, listen, it's free to us, but someone must pay for that freedom. The same is true of our spiritual forgiveness. Forgiveness is free to us because the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price to meet the demands of God the Father. Samuel Untermeyer, he was a, a prominent lawyer in the 1800s and the early 1900s. His wife once cabled, obviously back then, they don't have the technology we have today, and so she, she sent him a telegram. She cabled her husband. She was in Europe, and she saw a tapestry that she had found that she really liked, and, and uh, the price of this tapestry, now, mind you, this was the early 1900s, late 1800s, long time ago, this tapestry cost $25,000. And so she sent a telegram to her husband, this cable, uh, and she said she wanted to know if she could buy it. And so her husband, Samuel Untermeyer, he, prominent lawyer, rich guy, uh, he responds, no, 
comma, price too high. No, comma, price too high. That was the, that was the telegram. That was the message that he wanted to communicate to his wife. Uh, lo and behold, uh, his wife came home from Europe from this trip, and she had purchased, she bought the tapestry. Samuel, unto my, he was just perplexed. He couldn't understand. Uh, he, he asked her, he said, wait a second. Uh, you still bought the, uh, why did you not uh, 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 listen to my instructions? And did you not read my telegram? Did you not read? And, and, and she says, well, it said, the way it was written, no, without the comma, price too high. No price too high. No price too high. In other words, it doesn't matter how much it costs. You see how she read it one way and he actually wrote it a different way. No price too high. You know that if you were the only human being that ever lived on the face of the earth, God still would have said, no price is too high. It doesn't matter what the cost. I'll pay it. It doesn't matter how exorbitant the price. I'll pay it. Because he loves you and he loves me that much. No price too high. Uh, Romans 3.25 tells us whom God had set forth to be the propitiation. The propitiation. Uh, the propitiation. Uh, that word propitiation means uh, a covering. Uh, it literally means, it's a, a religious term, means the mercy seat. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. I won't take a whole lot of time to, to rehash uh, the Day of Atonement. The high priest, that one day out of the year, the high priest in the Jewish nation, uh, he went into the, the most holy place, the holiest of all, where the Ark of the Covenant was. He was to kill a bull and sacrifice a bull and, and apply the blood of that bull for his own sins. Then he was to take a goat, remember we talked about this last week, a goat, uh, and, and sacrifice that goat for the sins of the people, uh, and take the blood of that bull and the blood of that goat and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, in between the two golden cherubims, uh, that, uh, that, that Ark of the Covenant, the the place there was the mercy seat where, where the blood was to be uh, 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 sprinkled. That mercy seat is propitiation. He's making propitiation. It's to placate. Uh, it's, to, it's to appease. That's what he was doing. Then he was to take that second goat. We talked about it last week, the scapegoat, uh, and, and confess the sins of the people uh, on the head of that scapegoat and, and uh, send it out into the wilderness. That day of atonement. Listen, that mercy seat, that's propitiation. The Lord Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He is our mercy seat. Uh, His blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Uh, Not only is He the mercy seat, He's the sacrifice also. Uh, We see the Lord Jesus Christ. We see God loves us. He paid a great price. We see, number one, the principle of forgiveness. We see, number two, the price of forgiveness. Let's look at number three. Number three, uh, we see the promise of forgiveness. By the way, I want to mention this just on the side. If we're going to be forgiving people, we're going to have to pay a price. Forgiveness is not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. Uh, It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us emotions. It's going to cost us energy. Uh, It's going to cost us sometimes money. Uh, Forgiveness uh, is free for the one that's receiving it, but it's not free for the one that is giving it. We see number three, the promise of forgiveness. Uh, Luke chapter 23. Let's read in verse 39. Luke chapter number 23, verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were, uh, which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this man hath done nothing amiss. 
And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Notice the promise of this forgiveness. Uh, He turned to the Lord. He said, Lord, remember me. Lord, just the fact that he's calling him Lord, he's acknowledging his position. He's acknowledging his title. He's acknowledging his lordship. He says, Lord, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. I deserve to be here. You don't. Lord, remember me. Forgive me. Help me. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives him hope. He gives him a promise. He says, today, uh, when you and I, when we leave uh, this mountain, when we leave these crosses, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. If we're looking at the thief on the cross, if we happen to be there, we would think that the greatest need that the thief had was to be taken off the cross. Uh, the greatest need that the thief had would, would to be uh, avoid this uh, punishment. Uh, we would think that the greatest need that the thief had uh, was to avoid physical death. But listen, that was not the greatest need that the thief had. The greatest need that the thief had was to be forgiven of his sins. And to be accepted in God's family. That's the greatest need that he had. And that's the need that the Lord Jesus Christ filled in his life. He forgave him. Carl Menninger, a famous psychiatrist, once said that if he could convince all of the patients in every psychiatric hospital that their sins were forgiven, he said that 75% of them would walk out the next day. You see, the burden and the weight that people carry when they're not pardoned, when they're not forgiven, uh, the, 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 the burden and the weight of that guilt, listen, until we are able to give that to God and have Him forgive us of that, it's a tremendous burden. It's a tremendous weight. You see, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent to us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent uh, sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Someone to forgive us. Someone to release us of the burden, of the guilt, of the weight of our sins. Someone to forgive us. During World War II, the Japanese army had, uh, they had forced all of the Allied POWs, the prisoners of war, from Britain, from Australia, and from the Netherlands to build a railroad. The Japanese soldiers did many horrible things to these POWs. The, the conditions were so atrocious that eventually, after time, the POWs' behavior just turned barbaric. They had no hope of rescue. They had no hope of survival. Uh, People were dying all around, and so it basically became every man for himself. Some 16,000 Allied POWs died building what has now been called Death Railway. But one afternoon, something different happened. Something very special happened. During one of the times where the, the crew stopped and they did a tool check and uh, they, they did this tool check, they numbered and, and, and counted all of the tools and all of the, the, the soldiers and, and they, it was found that there was a shovel that was missing. And so the officer that was in charge, he was furious. He was angry. He demanded that the missing shovel be found or else. When nobody in the group admitted guilt to 
where that missing shovel was or what they had done with it, the officer got his gun out and he threatened to kill all of them. He said, y'all better show me where this shovel is or you're all going to die. And it was obvious that he was uh, very serious in what he was saying. And then after some time, finally one man stepped forward. The officer put away his gun. He picked up another shovel, a different shovel, and he took that shovel, he picked it up, and that man, that POW that had stepped forward, he took that shovel and he beat him to death. He killed him with that shovel. Later that day, they had a second tool check, and it was discovered that in actuality, no shovel had been missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. The word spread like wildfire through the whole camp, and an innocent man had died in order to save the others. The application is obvious and simple. We see here that the, the incident had a profound effect on these soldiers. From that point forward, the men began to treat each other like brothers, and they helped each other more than they ever helped each other before. And eventually, the Allied forces came to rescue them. And once they were rescued, uh, they could have easily taken revenge on their Japanese captors. But instead, they lined up in front of them with all the skeletons of the ones that had been killed before, and they said this. They said, no more hatred, no more killing. What we need now is forgiveness. What we need now is forgiveness. You see, sacrificial love has transforming power. Sacrificial love will help you and me forgive those who have offended us. Uh, listen to the word forgive itself. The word forgive defines itself. You see, it's giving for the sake of others. It's giving for the sake of others. It's giving up my right to avenge myself for the sake of correcting the wrong rather than becoming part of the wrong. It's giving time and energy to the one who hurt me for the sake of helping him or her see the need in their life. It's giving a wise response rather than a carnal response for the sake of demonstrating Christ-like character. Forgiveness is giving for the sake of others. I end with this, White Oak Baptist Church, and all of you who are watching via live stream. If Almighty God, who is perfect, who is holy, and who is absolutely righteous, can forgive us, why can we not find it in our hearts to forgive others? And I say we on purpose, because I struggle just as much as the next person to forgive, to forgive, to give for the sake of others. You see, true biblical forgiveness will deliberately clear the record of the person that has been offended. True biblical forgiveness will have the same openness, the same interaction with the, the offender after the offense as it did before the offense. If you're watching tonight and you've been forgiven by God, the weight and the onus of responsibility is now on us to forgive others. He said in, Matt, in Luke rather, 23 and verse 34, he said, Father, forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. Christian, let's make sure that we go out into this world and when people offend us and when people attack us and when people uh, jeer and make fun of us and criticize us and, and do all kinds of horrible things to us, let's, let's dig down deep. Let's submit to the Holy Spirit in such a way that we can give for their sake. Sacrifice for their sake. God set the example on the cross. He says, I forgive you. Let's bow together for a prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray tonight. Lord, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to be able to, Lord, by your power, with your filling our hearts, your leading us, Lord, to, to be able to forgive. Lord, I know it's hard. Lord, I know there have been times in my life where it's been almost impossible for me to forgive someone who has offended me. But Lord, I always look back at all that you have forgiven me of all the offenses that I have done to you. And Lord, yet you still love, uh, you still forgive, you still shower grace and mercy. Lord, help all of us to do that to the offenders in our life. Help us to give of ourselves for their sake. Lord, we do love you. In Jesus' name we pray.